0: interview is with my friend, Zoe, who you may know as Your Bro, Zoe, host of the Polka Dot Rabbit podcast, or from where I initially met him as the singer of the 1990s Richmond hardcore band, Independent. For years, Zoe has been a person in my life that has met me with a deep energy and a focus on truth that has resonated and challenged my conceptions of the spiritual realms and the physical world around me. And in that process has awoken parts of myself to things inside myself and changed the way I conceptualize and view my own life. And it is with that understanding and a great respect for him that I share our interview today. Some of the stuff we speak about will challenge a person's conceptions of what they know and conceptualize of the world around them. It's a thing you may have to listen to twice, once to get past the preconceptions and second to hear what he's actually saying. But unlike a lot of what challenges the mainstream today, these concepts come from a place of love and not fear. In a day where conspiracy runs rampant to protect the institutions of white supremacy, understandings like the one Zero shares, I believe are crucial to understanding the cognitive dissonance most humans feel when confronted with the differences between the world they observe and what they are told of it to be. And so with that, here is my interview with So. Enjoy. How did you get into uh, music?
1: Uh, well, just growing up, you know what I mean? Um, when MPV started, um, you know, that was a big influence. And also, that's kind of like the time when hip hop started. You know what I mean? So. Music. And not only that, my parents, used to, they, you know, they had records, you know, and the record players, you know, back in the day. My dad used to have, I'd be listening to B.B. King, Muddy Waters, um, Earth, Wind and Fire. You know what I'm saying? All, I, I, music was always surrounding me, always surrounding me, um, you know, from, from, from as long as I can imagine. And it kind of pushed into, like when I was in middle school, I started playing the oboe. You know, so Mm -hmm. I started, you know, learning how to read music, you know, and um, then I moved from the oboe to the baritone. So I was able to read music, you know what I mean? So I started looking at music from a different perspective completely. So after that, the 90s came around and all that 90s stuff, the hip hop, the grunge, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff stuff just all like kind of hit me at once. And I really, really, really... It was really I was really feeling music at that point, you know what I'm saying, because I was at the age in which it was, you know, the music was influenced you with know, like, you know, like Wu Tang, mm-hmm. like all the messages and you know all that stuff, and you know, dealing specifically like um, like hardcore punk rock. I, I remember, I mean, I used to, I really got introduced by that by the Ramones, straight up. Oh, okay. The Ramones, yeah. Um, I talk about this in the book as well. Like, um, I was at, um, I was. I, at a beach and we had uh, some friends where uh, I think it was beach week and this dude that was staying like one of the places he put in a, a um, Ramones tape, the best hits or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but anyway, it had all the hits like Blitzkrieg Pop, you know, all the joints. I was just like, yo, yo, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just like, mm-hmm. yo, 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 yo. So when I heard that, it just kind of started snowballing into, and I'm like, oh, let me find out some more, you know, man, about punk rock, and you know what I'm saying, and that all, every, the world just opened to me then, you know. I was at the point in, in my life in which, you know, as we all, as, as young, idealistic, you know, teenagers, you know what I'm saying, and you know, you're just mm-hmm. like, yo, I got something to say. I remember I went to one of the battle bands in at, at, at in of high school and I saw Broken Chains and Segregation Plan And man, mm-hmm. it was crazy because you know, i never seen no stuff like that before. I'm a, you know, and they were like, <laughs> they were rocking out and, you know what I'm saying? And they were like, they had dances and stuff and they were like spitting and the kids were going crazy. I was just like, yo, what in the world is this? You know what I mean? Because right. I only saw stuff like that on TV. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see right. that stuff in real life. Right. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, Yo. And I saw that joint and like changed my mind between that, between them seeing them and seeing like, I think, Rage Against the Machine, like on MTV. Um, that's when I was like, yo, I got to do this.
2: You know what I mean? Those are both kind of really political bands like Rage and mm-hmm. um, and, and Broken Changes of Segregation. Had you had a political consciousness around that same time, too? Like you started developing like an understanding that like, you know, you wanted to change things.
1: Yeah, this is right, right. You know, during right uh, high schoolish, right after high schoolish, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when like I kind of talked about as well. I was catching hell, like just being black and living at Maloti, you know what I'm saying? And I'm
2: right. After right. Which
1: I was just like confused and pissed off and all that stuff. So yeah, I had something to say, but truth be told is. It was more so, like, if you listen to the first independent tape, um, it, it, it's, I talk about, like, betrayal, talk about hurt, you know what I'm saying? I talk about feelings, holding, you know, it's all, that's all, it's, like, mad, angry, complete right. aggression being left out, you know what I mean? But right. if you flip to the second independent, um, if you see the sec- to the second independent tape, it's all about, like, philosophy, you know what I'm saying? Well, so what happened? <laughs> you know, what, what shifted? my consciousness, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's like you, you realize, you know, after you scream so much and holler so much for so long, there's gotta be a quiet time and a reflection. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that quiet time and reflection was in between those two, um, albums. That's when I started to really start to put things together as far as me this world and et cetera. Um, so it became, yeah, I might've been angry about all the stuff that happened at high school and all and just dealing with things, all the crazy racism stuff. But then, you know, after that, your, your vision is more broad to to the world and you realize the world's kind of jacked up, you know what I mean? Right. So now right. what do you feel about the world? You know, so that's that was the you know that was the, the, the natural progression of things as far as me going from you know inside and then
2: reflected outside. Right, and you know the other thing that kind of I, I think about too with that is like you know on your first tape you also might have been kind of screaming to be heard, and on the second tape you could find maybe some confidence in that you were being heard. So then it's really not just so much about being her, but, you know, what do I want to say? Like, like I've noticed that, that, that dynamic in art, you know, like, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're trying to, like, kind of, like, validate your position, your, your inclusion in it, like your position, once you have that, then, then it can become, you know, you know, you're powerful, and and, mm-hmm. and you know you have some power in this situation. And so it can really be like, you know, how do I want to use that? Exactly. And that's the thing that always struck me about y'all was, um, you know, the, the thoughtfulness of the lyrics. You know, because, I mm-hmm. mean, so many lyrics, they, they get into, um, I mean, just, you know, in the craft of it, sometimes you can come up with kind of, cheap rhymes you know (laughs) and like none of your stuff was there you know what I mean it was all just really thoughtful kind of taking back for a second how did you end up forming independent
1: um after I um and I I talk about this book too but after uh I saw BCS literally I went at the sound hole in an old grubby notebook piece, white piece of paper. I wrote down with my decrepit handwriting. I put something like, I want to start a band. Call me here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I went to the sound hole, took a contact right. and nailed it right on that little message board ahead. And then Chris Ferguson called me up and, you know what I'm saying? And I don't want to tell all, I don't want to tell the whole, whole story, you know, but cause I'll wait for the, you know, that later when I can have the, you know, the whole crew, you know, but, um, Chris Ferguson called me up. I think he knew Dan. Dan knew Ryan. And that is how pretty much independence started. And how did y'all... I'll leave the,
2: I'll leave the juice in this for later. <laughs> right. Like, so seeing BCS, I guess, like, y- y'all knew that you could, you know, play shows. Like, that, that was an avenue that was available to you kind of at that age. Um, mm-hmm. How did y'all get into, like, actually getting gigs and stuff? Because, I mean, how old were y'all at that point? You were a little older, Um, right? I was, yeah, I was like, um, I
1: think I was 19, I think. Right. And everybody else was like 16, 17. So I was like, besides Scott, um, I was the second oldest in the band. It was Scott, me, I think, Chris Ferguson, Ryan and Dan, like kind of like in that order. But um, yeah, well, what happened was once we put out that uh, first demo, you know, I think we, after playing Battle Bands, I think we played Battle Bands at St. Edward's, right? But the Mm -hmm. funny thing was that, like, we, the first time I think we played St. Edward's, the tape was already put out. So I didn't, we were playing like little crazy shows before that, people barbecues, you know, just, (laughs) you know, doing whatever we could. But um, I still remember to this day, man, rocking St. Edward's for the first time, and like half the crowd knew the lyrics. And I'm just like, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? I wow. was like, yo, I almost stopped singing because I was just like, because that was something I never experienced in my whole life. You know what I'm saying? How Stop, that feel? Energy. It was crazy, man. Like I almost stopped singing, literally. Like I was just like, damn, is he saying what I'm saying? You know, he know the lyrics. And them jo- and them kids, man, they were loving it. You know what I'm saying? They were like, they were feeling it. And, uh, you know, you mm-hmm. know. So that just made me want to rock out even harder. You know what I mean? And for sure. Um, you know what I mean? So that made me just be like, yo, I'm gonna if y'all go, y'all here to here, I'm going to give it to you all the way. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, so that's, that, so that's how we did that. We St. Edwards and we just, I guess the more and more we just became kind of, um, known people would ask us to do different house parties. And then, um, I think we went literally physically went down to a uh, twisters to talk to Jerry, you know, rest in peace. But, um, we went down to talk to him. We gave him a tape. We were like, yo, <laughs> we want to play. <laughs> He's like, all right. And I think he let us play some old crazy. show. I think we ended up first, like playing for Stuck Mojo or something like that. I can't remember, but I know we did play. One. I just came up. That was one of our first gigs, but, but since we did that, I and mean, we were like cool with Jerry and Jerry's you know, he was a nice dude. He always, you know, respected us and was cool. Um, he just comes saying, like, y'all want to play for Madball? Like, yeah, hell yeah. Y'all want to play for that um, um, thing? What's that? Um, what's oh uh, Jimmy Jax's band, uh, Hate Breed? It's like, yeah, you know what I'm oh, saying? Okay. So, you know, yeah, yeah. So we, we kept on, like, he just kept on telling us, y'all want to play for this? And he's like, hell yeah. So we just kept on playing whenever bigger bands would come in, you know, because at the time, we were kind of, I guess, one of the heavier bands that kind of fit, fit, fit the niche of
2: the hardcore right there. So... He was just asking right. to play, and that was it. So you were straight out of high school. Were you going to mm-hmm. college or anything? Yeah, I was. I was still in school. Yep,
1: I, I was going to. Uh, I think J. Sergeant
2: Reynolds, at the time. Okay. How did how did like you know? Because that's kind of like a pivotal time in your life. Like a lot of people, are, you know, mm-hmm. starting to think about kind of you know what they're going to do with their life. Um, you know, and some people will kind of like stop doing stuff they were doing to kind of focus on college or whatnot how mm-hmm. how were you thinking about music at that point in your life like was it something that you were like man i'm going to do this for the rest of my life or did it feel like something that was more temporary
1: no it 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 was it was something that i knew that was um i would continue to do
2: but mm-hmm.
1: what happened was is like my evolution of just me my personal evolution at the time i started to get um more into my um, my spirituality and just self identity, as you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it w- you know, once you realize that you're being black in America, once you realize that you're way more than a slave, and your history has been removed from you, and and you know, and, and there's a lot more history than just you know you coming over here and uh, you know good sl- uh, good slave ship Jesus and all that kind of stuff. It starts to open up a whole different perspective of your mind and also really your soul so you start to connect you start to make connections in places that you never knew were there before and so in doing that I started you know I started embracing all that so like the music at, musical aspect of just like the heavy music that being angry all the time that started like dissipating you know for me I wasn't angry anymore you know what I'm saying I, I wasn't angry I was more what I wanted to do musically, um, wanted to had to evolve and change as well. So that's why that's why I kinda things kinda and people were everybody else they were going to school and doing different things. That's how independent pretty kinda like stopped. Because, you know, everybody was kinda doing their thing. I was, you know, self reflection and kinda going in and, and also just really doing wanted to do other types of music besides that.
2: What do you think ignited that shift in you, like to to start kind of like discovering more about yourself, like was there a specific instance that happened, or,
1: well, in, in the spiritual world we call it RNA and DNA, and uh, metaphysical world I should say we call it RNA and DNA explosions, which, like the the dormant and innate um, DNA of you know your past ancestors or or um, you know your soul waking up inside of you, so to speak. You know, that was the awakening that I was having at that time, 100%. Mm. So, you know, everything that I lived before, I started to see it for what it was, is not only just a test, but also just literally a part of this world. Because I tell people all the time, you know, there's a big, big difference between the world that we see today and, you know, in natural nature. You know, the world will tell you to... Oh, you got to get a job. You got to uh, get a white picket fence and a dog and, you know, get a 401k and, you know, that, that and be a p- good part of society and, you know, and live the American dream. You know what I mean? But the other aspect of natural nature, you know, has you realizing that there's a whole world, a, a true world, natural world, that the fake world was placed on top of. And then you really just start to see, you connect yourself with world and natural nature, and you're like, yo, this a bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you look at the world, and you're like, you know, I I was on, I was on, <laughs> I was on a, my you know my podcast recently, and I had um a guest, in there, and we and we were talking about television. I was like, I told, her, I was like, yo, I am at the point literally when I know anything, I, uh, especially news related anything, it's just a lie. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a goddamn lie. So, you know the more I got in tune with natural nature, the more I saw how this world is illusion. And that's what, one of the reasons why I named my book that, you know, Bicultural cultural living and leaving the world of illusion.
2: Well, I mean, there's, there's two things right there. I'd like to talk about that, but we'd be jumping way Um But also what kind of resources were you using to kind of learn all this stuff during that period?
1: Well, in the nineties, um, in the quote unquote Afrocentric conscious community, there was a slew of great teachers. I mean, I can probably be talking, and even going back to, um, I mean, I can go back to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you know, Malcolm X, you know, um, no- Noble Drew Ali, um, you know, back in some of the older cats, you know what I'm saying? Um, right. Um, the, um, Master Farad Muhammad, you know what I'm saying? I could keep on going on, but in the nineties you had people like Bobby Hemmett, Dr. Malakazi York, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema. And I actually saw a lecture by Dr. Ivan Van Sertema in the Richmond. Um, I think it was a Richmond, um, art gallery. He, 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 um, he had one there, but there was a whole slew of great master teachers, that were dealing with metaphysics, African scholarship, uh you know, all that stuff in the nineties. So I was just getting bombarded with all that information and just reading books out of the yin yang, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I tell people all the all the time, if you knew me in the in the in independent days, you know, I, I was either at work, at school, or at home, um, reading books and smoking blunts. That was that was my thing. You know, what I'm saying that's all I did was just read, man. Listen to tapes, watch videos.
2: You know, right? We have YouTube back then, so you had to get, you had to get the VHS. Yeah, V-A-Z- you had Z-A-Z-Z to put <laughs> some effort into this stuff. When I mean, we didn't have to really yeah. be the internet, I mean, you actually had to read a physical book. You actually yep. had to mm-hmm. be kind of part of a community to even find out about a book. Mm-hmm. So I know yep. around that time, just from reading your book and, and knowing you, you started traveling. Oh like, yeah, going around the the world. So, what prompted that?
1: Uh, cheese and tea. I think you know both of them. You know from Armwood. Um, yeah, they yeah. were they were over there, and they they said they they were like Joe, man, you got to go to London. And at the time I was in school, I was like, all right, well I'm gonna save a bunch of money. I think I was like working two jobs at the time and going to school. I was like. Uh, <laughs> I was cutting grass and I was delivering pizzas like at night. You know what I'm saying? That um, right. Leonardo was up um, up at, in the so I was doing those Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was up there and Cheese and Tea were like, uh, yo, we did this. You ought to go to London. I said, all right, I got a bunch, bunch of money saved. I'm, e- I'm either going to go to school up in Charlottesville. There's a community college up there. Or if I, my, I don't get the apartment, I'm going to take that money and go to London. I didn't get the apartment, you know what I'm saying? So I went to London. And that was one of the best experiences that I ever had in my life just because, like, see, the thing about traveling is you realize that there's much more out here than just Midlothian, Virginia. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, even – but here's here's the crazy thing. Even just going to Richmond as opposed to Midlothian, like going to school in Richmond – I saw so many much different things than I saw in the Lincoln. Just that small, you know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a big difference for just sure, from the and sure. Richmond. You know? Yeah. But um, going to London, like, and the thing about London was, London, because of the you know, the history behind it, you know, after World War Two, it all get blown up. They open the borders and they were like, all y'all people come, what it they called? The Wind, Wind, Windstrom? I can't remember the name of it. But they told everybody that they, um that they, uh colonized that they can come to there and help, uh, build it. We help rebuild. Oh, wow. it. So, yeah. So you have people all over. If, if it was by British rule across, uh, across the planet, they all had open access, um, to come and live there. So you already had so many people from all over the world since what, the forties on that were already kind of bringing a the culture there to this place. So, just because it was, it, it, like, if you, if you haven't been to London, you might just say, oh, it's London, it's British, and the Queen and stuff. Nah, man, you know, you go to Diagon Bricks, and you might as well be in Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? You go to, you know, certain oh, other wow. place, you might as well be in, you know, Turkey. You know what I'm saying? And so, I lived in a hostel, and I just used to talk to people all the time from all the different places, and they would have white folks there, you know what I'm saying, that I'd be talking to, and, and they look like, you know, any other white folks that I knew in London, but their mindset was completely different, a hundred percent different, you know, like night and day so that confused the hell out of me at one, at one point, cause I you know, I'm thinking, you know, the world, everything revolves around the Low Virginia, you know, but right. nah, man, you know, and then I started meeting people from Africa, you know, I'm starting people from Spain. I just met people from all over the place in my mind, that, that little, that little, um, Boxed my mind, it just cracked open. So it was like, you know, even more expanding, even more, more so.
2: What was the difference you were seeing? You said when you were talking to people that, like, if you were talking to a white person in England and that they didn't have that Melothian mindset, what was it about them that was striking you as being so different?
1: Well, they, they, they don't, they don't obviously don't have the same type of, um, the same type of racist mindset that a southern uh, a southern American would have, because they just weren't. Um, that's just not the way that they were they were raised. You know, they they don't have that type of culture. They don't. You know, it's different. But also, you know, most of them speak two or three different languages. You know, most of them um, have a different perspective on world history. So, you know, it's a right. cultural and an educational um, um, difference. Um, because they're more educated, bro- much broader educated in a, in a lot of ways. So, unless a atypical American traveled a lot, they you know or just read all the time. They wouldn't have a, that type of perspective, um, like like a lot of these Europeans would. So European, that would
2: uh, Is that what made you kind of able to see? the uniqueness or, or the particular character of American racism? Um,
1: yeah, it did, because when I came back, <laughs> I still remember when I came back, like, I remember, I tell people all the time, like, being black in America is like having a giant gorilla on your back with a target sign on the time. That's what it feels like. I mean, if you can, anybody can listen to what I just just said and kind of visualize that. Every day, right. imagine that. Walking out, um, walking out in the streets, just trying to go to Kroger and get some some water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> it's like literally how it feels. But in London, you know, the big gorilla shrunk down to like a um, maybe like a uh, I want um, a smaller monkey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was trying to think of a name of a monkey, but um, like a spider monkey, I'd say. Um, but it shrunk down tremendously. You know, it's still there, but it. You know, I remember this one time I was um. Like comparably, I just got my tags in Duluth, and I was—I uh, just came from the DMV, and I was going. Home. I got pulled up by the cop. The cops like, you know, out the car. You know, all this kind of crazy stuff. I was just like, where? Where's your tag? I was. Just, it's right here. He said, if you don't put it on, I'm going. You know, it's kind of, you know, all this kind of crazy stuff. And right. in comparison to like, I was um, in London. You're not allowed to ride your bike in the sidewalks. <laughs> And they got a whole bunch of little crazy stuff that you and it, like small things you like. Damn, what? Why they do that? But um, right. Um. So I was like ride my bike on the sidewalk, and a policeman said, it. "He said, oi!'" I was just like, and I stopped, and I said, "What's up?" <laughs> you know, <what> I'm saying? <laughs> in my my Yankee accent, my um, right. you know, he just like I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "Oi, mate! You know, you know, you know, you can't ride on the sod- sidewalk here." Because you have to ride on the street, you know. what I'm saying. I'm just like, all right, you know. what I'm saying, and I just got on the street and, and um, you know, kept on riding. But I was just like, I wasn't used to no. I was never ever used to any person of authority, like a policeman, talking to me in a normal way, as opposed to cussing me out and trying to, you know, you know, take take whatever racist angst or mindset out on me at that time. You know what I'm saying? And that was a that was a common
2: thing that happened in Melungeon. Um, yeah, well, I mean, the Lothian is—I mean, there's a few things happening there. The Lothian is also kind of—it's—it's it's, it's, so it's—it's it's very white, you know, like like mm-hmm. racially, but also mm-hmm. it's like that pretty then. damn Especially middle class, mm-hmm. like middle to upper. I mean, there's like some really wealthy parts of it too, and mm-hmm. so it's like yep, this it's weird. And it's also really conservative, which I didn't really, because mm-hmm. I grew up there too. And I didn't really realize how conservative, Oh, yeah. or maybe it wasn't so much politically back then, but I mean, like people's mindsets definitely were. But, oh, yeah, and now it's like really like Republican, like in the way it votes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that must have been quite a thing to like go to you know, basically a a European country that doesn't have this history the way that America does Mm -hmm. and to see that and to actually like see that resonating in the way people are treating you, that must be, that must've been crazy. How are you able to deal with coming back and, and seeing that racism like every day?
1: It was an adjustment, man, because uh, as soon as I got off the plane, I was in BWI, you know, and I was on the little one of the little um, shuttle buses that takes you from like the plane to the gate. And yeah. when I'm sitting there on the plane, I just felt it all like I felt two things. The humidity of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, of Maryland slash Washington. Hit, right. that, that hit me, and just the the, the the racism of America just hit me as soon as I was on that bus. You know, the people looking at you crazy, you know, kind of stuff. And, You know, the the monkey, the gorilla was right back on my back. I was like, God damn it,
2: I'm back to this shit again. You know, that's so, an interesting way to describe America: humidity and racism. <laughs> well, if you live in down south, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's
1: down easy. south. You know, the more you go around, you know, you know, the south got that that on fire humidity, man, you know, but you know, you go to, right. um, you know, other parts around the United States, you know, it's not like that, you know, it's not like all the humidity we have here. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. Well, I've heard, I've heard that well, when yeah. people come here from Europe, like diplomats, like my uncle, he used to live up in Maryland, we mm-hmm. outside of DC. He told me that a lot of diplomats from Europe get paid hazardous duty pay for being here because of the climate. Cause it's considered yeah, like, oh, yeah subtropical or something like oh, yeah. by their standards, you know? Mhm. So when you were, when you got back and you were, you know, kind of feeling this and this adjustment, like, how did that affect your like worldview? Like, were you like, yo, I need to leave like America or like, like, I, I can't imagine feeling that. Like, how did you feel about your future here? When I came back, I was just
1: like, Yo, this place is whack. You know what I'm saying? That was like my mm-hmm. number one thing. Yo, this place is whack. But what happened was my brother moved to Atlanta and he was like, pretty much like, you should come down here. So right. after he did that, um, after uh, he told me that, I was like, yo, all right, cool. I'm going to go to Atlanta. So I was done with Richmond. You know what I'm saying? Straight up, I was done. Yeah. But like, I, when I moved to Atlanta, it was like a whole new um a whole new w- reality, a new experience because if you can visualize and I tell people all the time if you can vir- visualize Salisbury and Melothian, you know right Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. imagine imagine yeah. that because it's a it's a small area you know and it's one community you know we we would think it's big, but going to Atlanta imagine flipping the demographics of Midlothian and Richmond, you know, split, switching those demographics, like the city of Richmond, you know what I'm saying? Switch everything, but all those people that are uh, black got money like the people they do in Salisbury. But not, but not only that, but multiplied by like, like literally 200. If you can just visualize that, And I'm not exaggerating at all. That's how Atlanta is. You know, it's you know I think it's like it's 70-30 or 60-40 percent black to white ratio. Um, And black folks down there got money. They they help each other out. They you know they support each other. So it's like literally like the exact opposite of Richmond or most states and cities I've been to
2: in America. So I had to get used to that. You know? Well, so how the hell did that happen? Because, like, Atlanta's more south than Richmond. You know, you'd think what there'd you be mean? more of that kind mean, of people. Well, what do you not mean? I it's like physically more south. Like, <laughs> like physically more south than the United States. Like, it's around, like, states that have horrendous histories with. I mean, Richmond was the capital, you know, was the capital of Confederacy, and it Mm -hmm. it was the capital of the South. But, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of those huge boycotts, a lot of the – during the Civil Rights Movement, the states that would not budge, like, Mm -hmm. they're all around Georgia. How did, um, like, black people get to be in a position where – they, I mean, because what it sounds like is so you were saying these are like pretty much like black communities, like African American communities. Oh like, yeah, yeah,
1: like like like, like, like damn near a lot of these are like you talking ninety percent, you know, okay. like like yeah,
2: like did they? I, I mean, I know there's they certain they, areas, they were, mm-hmm. right? Well, I know there was like so in Richmond and, and in places like that, like, like historically, the thing that kept mm-hmm. generational wealth from, you know, from being able to be kind of passed between people. Like the only way, like, you know, generational wealth gets passed in the United States really is through property transfer, like inheriting yeah. Yeah. a house, you know, mm-hmm. like, and and one of the things that they used to do here was, you know, they put these like what would they call restrictive covenants. And so mm-hmm. it would be like these these statements on a deed that would sometimes be like by the neighborhood association or something like that. They weren't. Mm-hmm. Legally enforceable, but they were culturally enforceable by the people in the neighborhoods, you know, like, there'd be ramifications, but what they would basically say is like, you can only sell these houses to white people or something to that equivalent. And... There would be, you know, like if you didn't, like your neighbors would be pissed. Did that not oh, yeah, yeah. exist down there or like? Well,
1: see, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Where I was going back earlier about how we've all been lied to about America and American history and et cetera. Because right. a lot of people, if you think all about America today, you think about, oh, black people were all brought over here on slave ships. That's the right. biggest goddamn lie out there. I'm gonna tell y'all. Listen, and this is stuff that you can research yourself. The vast majority, uh, well, the Native Americans in America look like me. The Native Americans that you see, like um, the Native Americans that you see that are um, that look like uh, you know Native Americans sized Mexicans. Those are uh, mixtures of what you call like the uh, the Olmecs and asian people coming together and and mixing together uh you know intermingling uh, intermingling and coming out with a uh, a dark-skinned person that looks like like they're asian okay all right and whenever you hear like the trail of tears and all this kind of stuff people they put that image in there that that's like just those indian people but no those were the indigenous black people like you think cherokee yamafi um, I can go on to different Native American tribes, but these were all people that look like, look like me. So in saying that, i I have to kind of lay a foundation to, to go here is that you have to, um, people have to understand that There was already people here that already had money that were black, you know, there were already people there. A lot of the oldest buildings that you see, one of the oldest buildings, I think it's out in Iowa or something like that. Um, one of the oldest buildings in America modern day is a mosque. You understand what I'm saying? A mosque that was built by, uh, by Moore's descent uh, by Moore's descendants. So I right. some of these old courthouses um, that you see that you know are very old were um, were, built, were already built by the people that were here. The transfer that we talk about and see is when you ever see that movie um, Birth of a Nation. You know, the birth of a nation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what you're seeing is like the rise of Ku Klux Klan because uh, basically what happened was all these black people had land because they weren't all slaves. Only a small percentage were slaves. But they were all in Senate, all that stuff. Like if you can look up right now yourself, John Hanson was the first black president. And this ain't no like, oh, you know, try to be greater black. No, this is, you know, true fact. Look it up. John Hanson, uh, black president. But... That was under the Articles of Confederation. But the reason why I'm saying all this is that what that movie shows you when they were like the white folks were like, yo, we gotta get these get these cats out of here. They gotta go. We got we're gonna take a pair uh, take control of all of this. And that's why they call it the birth of nation, because the old way that which was being held on by the, the natives that are already here was taken away and that nation was started then. So I'm saying all that to say that there was already people here that had generational wealth because they were doing the same thing you just talked about. We just don't know that because we just, TV and, the, um, and the, the media and history, I just tell you, a whole bunch of people came over here slaves. That's furthest from the truth. So how
2: were you learning all of this?
1: Same way, you know, same way you, you learn how to put that bookshelf. Thing. I mean, you know, just research and study man. You know, you just dig deep. It, it just like anything in life, the more you want it, you know, the more you ask questions, you know, the more that the information will come to you. And then again, like I said earlier, these great scholars did all this research and they, you know, in their books, they have bibliographies, the more books, the more books, the more books, you know.
2: So with your kind of understanding of this, how did that shift your perspective of the world and, and your, your your place in it?
1: I had to understand the day and time we were ast- astrologically, and even something as far as just back in the '90s, as we all now, 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 it's a big difference, you know, because you know, right. uh, you know, I go back before, in, in, you know, Atlanta, and land Richmond. All that. I've been going the whole time, I've seen a shift in itself. Melosian, even Midlothian, Richmond definitely, but Midlothian not only is it, it, it doesn't even. Seem like the same place I grew up the mindset is different because of current current events the energy and the time frame and are changing people's minds you know I mean I remember back in the day it was like a um, so taboo you know what I'm saying for interracial relationship but people don't like now the way things are people don't even care about that anymore you know what I mean and I, I noticed that I thought that was a um, very interesting thing um, me and Mike were talking about it, uh, you know, in his podcast, because, yeah, you know, he's married to, a, um, a, you know, a, um, a mulatto sister, you know what I'm saying? So we were talking mm-hmm. about that as well. But, you know, things just, um, things have changed tremendously, but you have to be aware in the day and time we're in how the cycle of the universe and the cycle of time, the cycle of um, the ages that we're in are influencing the day and time we are now. Once you see that and, uh, and uh, truly overstand where you are right now on the time, uh, universal timeline, then you, you see how everything that you're seeing now, it all makes sense.
2: When you're trying to kind of conceptualize, I guess, like America's place in history, if that's the understanding of, of America's actual story, how do you view that?
1: Well, I, mean, I I view it as two separate Americas. I view it as it pre-America and modern America. As you, you know, in, in the, unless you don't know of pre-America, you can only think of it a certain way. But, you know, even in America, you can like, even in, in, in Georgia, you can go right up to, uh, right past Kennesaw, right up to 75, and you can see where some of the Native American uh, mounds were that they used to have a pre-American civilization, civilization here. You know, before any lines that were drawn, you know, the quote-unquote uh, lines that we see maps are cut into, you know, there's a different mindset in reality pre-history, pre-America. So you, mm. as soon, if you know that, then you have a certain mindset um, and a certain perspective and view on pre-America, and you have a certain mindset of modern-day America you know?
2: So, that, you, yeah. You, you, this, and, yeah. So, how do you view that in connection, like, so you kind of got your own spiritual mindset.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, how do you reconcile that with this world and maybe particularly America that you're living in now?
1: Well, I mean, it's like, as I tell people all the time, every dog has their day, you know? Mm-hmm. And, Dealing with what we're seeing today, this world, the people that rule this world, there's a specific time frame that specific individuals were allowed to rule this planet, to make this world. And nothing's what going to change. What you mean allowed? Or, I, I was about to say, the universe literally ordained, because going back to the cycles I was saying, there's right. certain cycles in which certain energies of specific mindset and specific people were supposed to rule it. Okay. Are you talking about like things like like
2: the age of like Aquarius, the age of water bearer, like, um,
1: well, well, like these kind of like
2: tides almost that are kind of,
1: yeah, I could could say that to a certain level. Um, but I would like to break them into moon and sun cycles. Okay. Um, dealing with 6,000-year um, uh, time frames that would are, um, that are multiplied into 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 fours, okay? So 24,000 years, um, there's a certain age, a certain cycle, and then it flips another and back and forth and back and forth. So at certain cycles of time, certain individuals being races of people were, are supposed to literally ordained by nature and universe to rule to rule the planet you know that's been happening since the longest time most recently it's been you know the Caucasian race and, you know that's why I don't trip at all because I'm like going back to what I said earlier I don't um I know where where we are in this cycle of life right now I know that these certain these certain um, beings um the certain humans not, were also influenced by other beings, I should say, to get high technology, to, to bring this technology to a certain level. You know, it's it's a bigger picture than what most people are, are used to, um, you know, even wanting to think about, but everything that you're seeing now is happening for a reason, and it's it's meant to happen. The only thing is now is that we're shifting it to a different uh, time frame in which which the people's every, a lot of people are starting to become conscious aware of everything I'm talking about now that I was starting to talk about in the nineties. You know, people are being more so they want to eat better. You know, they don't want they think that being racist is a bad thing. You know, they want to start doing more yoga. I mean, you see it all over the place. You know what I'm saying? People are all racist. So this is a, a part of that cycle that we're coming into in which a certain mindset is going to take over as opposed to the old ways of which the world I was referring to uh, prior,
2: and with that understanding, like where do you think we we are in that time frame?
1: Age Describe of Aquarius. Or, okay. Yeah, the age of Age of Aquarius. It's, we're in the Age of Aquarius. We're in age a, a golden cycle, um, more uh, information age. You know, people being more, elite, more uh, connected to nature. You know, mm-hmm. people starting to their their DNA, their dormant DNA starting to. Um, you know, starting to wake them up. Like I said prior, previous, we're in the cycle. We're in that day and time in which a, a, a great awakening of every everybody on this planet. Because that's the thing, people. People, you got to realize, like, um, we're all in this together. You know what I'm saying? If you and you know, all of us, the vast majority of us on this planet, besides like other hybrid strands, but uh, maybe we need to talk about a, di- a different topic, but, um, come from, you know, the original people on this planet, you know what I'm saying? Anybody will tell you that. So we're all, you know, dealing with, we're all genetically linked together. And some of us also like, like for example, my, uh, my brother, like I talked about in a book, he got a, a kidney, a kidney transplant, from a dude that looked like, he, uh, he looked like Remy from, um, Um, Michael Rappaport from um, uh, Higher Learning, you know, white dude, he's Irish, right? But the thing is, Liam, the white dude has O-positive blood, which is a uh, original person's blood, you know, but he's also Irish and people you hear about like the black Irish and et cetera and like how the original once you do your history, you'll find out the original people in Ireland were black, you know what I'm saying? A lot of the European places, you know, pre-Europe dealing with um, like the Moors and except there were black people there. And you can, this is all, again, you can stuff, you can look up yourself. So I'm saying all this is because he had O-positive blood. That means that he was able to give my bro- a kidney to my brother because he, even though he's a white dude and doesn't have much melanin at all, he's still somewhere down the line. he, his uh, bloodline intermingled with somebody that had O-positive blood. And, you know, we're all connected together. You know what wow. I'm saying? We're all connected genetically together, going back to one female, you know what I'm saying, from Africa.
2: Kind of, kind of taken from there, like, what's your conception of the spiritual realm of that? How do you view that as being a part of this life as well?
1: Well, um, this life is like, we all, well, some of us, I would say, we, this place is a playground. It's a school and a playground. And before we came here, um, all of our, um, we were uh, etheric beings. We, etheric beings, we decided, all right, we looked down on this planet and we are like, all right, we're going to come down here and see see what's going on, what's going on down there. So once you're an etheric being, you come down, you uh, manifest through your mother and father as a child. And then now you're coming from a spiritual um, etheric uh, realm down to a physical realm. So you go from a, higher density levels to pretty much the lowest density level that you can uh, can be, especially the third dimension. So once you get here, you're pretty much starting all over. And then once you start to realize what this place is, what it's about, you're doing everything that you can to get back, uh, to get spiritual in so you can ke- connect back where you came from. So sort of like being a part of the source or the all coming down here right. on a lower dimensional a lower dimensional level to manifest as a um you know on the other side of the hydrogen hydrogen atom and then afterwards you're doing everything like e, e- etherically to get back home prayers chants everything you can to connect you back to source
2: is that gonna sucks here or like <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. It, it depends how you make it. it it's all about how you make it like Mike was talking about in a, an interview he was like he used to think this place was hell when he was doing things but he's like he's like I don't think that no, no more I thought I was in hell living in Melosi and doing all that stuff but that, like now I'm like yo I think every every experience I had for that because it gives me a greater perspective on so many things and, and you know it made me who I am today so it's you know it, it's it, it is what you make it it's all perspective. It's all about how you um, view things and how motivated you are to. Um, and, and here's a, here's the flip side: is a lot of people they don't even want, they don't even go this route. They're content with just living, you know, in the matrix. They're fine with it. Everything I described about being American, and getting white ticket fence, all that stuff—they're fine with it, and that's cool with them ain't nobody hating on them you know you can live your life you know what I'm saying do whatever you want to do I know a lot of people that are happy as hell that I don't I growing up you know they're making big money they're happy as hell they're traveling all the place you know what I'm saying that's cool hey man it's a playground have at it
2: do you think that their experiences of being different from them from, from yours in the, in the long term having that different view
1: well yes but the thing is some of us are have not everybody can be a you know a politician, a priest, a teacher, etc. You know what I mean? There's a certain type mm-hmm. of people that do those things. So a certain type of person would be on this certain type of journey. You know, you can't, you yeah. know, you can't expect a, a hobo Jethro to be um, on a side quarter drinking wine all day. That's, you know, that's, that's, his, that's his, hell. He put himself in, so he's not going to be, you know, unless he wants to change and turn this stuff um, around, he's not going to be, you know, uh, uh, another individual that's organized, disciplined, and and all the things that you have to be to be, you know, to be on top.
2: Do you believe in things like karma being involved in it? Past lives,
1: yeah, past lives and karma, definitely.
2: Man, (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people that haven't kind of heard about these thoughts and and beliefs (laughs) are going to have kind of a hard time understanding it. I mean, you've challenged a lot of stuff that Mm -hmm. most people except, like, no question. Like, they're not even remotely oh, yeah. questioning it.
1: Mm-hmm. My thing is, why don't believe you me, think, check it out.
2: Right. For sure. Um, why do you think you've had this hunger to discover these things when some other people don't? Is it because of that just different path?
1: No, I mean, it, it, it's just going back to what you, what you were saying earlier. It's just, you know, that 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 essence and that that your soul and your essence, you know, some of us try our best to connect to it, to wake it up, to connect the source, and really make that connection the source. And some of us are content with our soul being asleep or our spirit being asleep and just mm-hmm. living the mundane life. The best analogy is the matrix. Do you want to be in the matrix or do you want to be outside of the matrix?
2: I guess goes, what I'm wondering is, what made, what do you feel like made you wake up?
1: Definitely my soul. My soul and my bloodline and my lineage.
2: Like you just couldn't be asleep.
1: Yep. Because we, we, we have to wake up. You know, certain of us have to wake up to do stuff like we're doing now. Like, you know, to do the music, to do the podcast, to do the right books you know, to to reach other people that are trying to wake up. Each one's each one.
2: And so with this, you know, you've done music kind of like, usually the way I do these interviews, we go through it. We kind of go through, you know, a person's history of doing what they do and changes and this kind of thing. We did that for a minute here. And then we kind of got really into this core belief system that you have. So I'm going to kind of change it up here. And it's also very poetic that it kind of happened like this because it's almost like this presence in the middle of this interview, which is kind of like what I feel like you have in the middle of your life. To a certain extent, it seems like you feel like it is your job now to kind of share this with folks, like doing the podcast, doing music and that kind of thing. What is your hope in doing that for other folks?
1: Well, I mean, like if you ever, if anybody ever watched my podcast, I, I say the same thing. You know which is kind of like my introduction i tell people i'm here to uplift humanity and and mm-hmm. to um make the melanated you know uh, black male and female remember who and where they came from you know and other you know but uplift my thing because the thing one of the big thing is about um the people uh, let me kind of give you uh, um i'm gonna kind of lay up another foundation Okay. people always talk about ancient egypt and all this kind of stuff like this and how it was all great and how they did all this stuff now the thing about egypt was is that it's way older than people think it is it, going back and even pre-dynastic it's very very old okay older than uh, a lot of the races modern day races of the planet by far okay but the, just certain cycles came in in which they knew these people knew that the um these um egyptians the african egyptians they knew that their time would come to an end so they knew they had a time frame before all the the cycle would come and they would lose memory of everything that they had so what they had to do is they had to build a whole civilization and write down everything they could everything they could in a certain time put monuments up in stone So once these people fell asleep, they had at least records of who they used to be, okay? That's why the stuff's in stone. That's why the the pirates, you know, all these different things, okay? So there's a thing that we see see today just dealing with black people in America and be like, you know, why can't they get their stuff together, stuff like that? It's because they sleep. Black people are asleep, they are they're starting to wake up now, but they've been asleep. They don't know their language, they don't know the old the old culture, they don't know um their old chants, they don't know they don't know this stuff anymore. And all you like I said in my book, you know, all America produces with people with black folks is Negroes and niggers. That's it. You know what I'm saying? You gotta go out, you gotta be like me and go outside of that to to be something else. Okay. I'll say it all to say this. Me having my experience traveling the world, dealing with all these different people, I don't, I'm not hating on nobody, you know, because I know there's good in people and there's bad in people no matter what color you are. So my thing is, my previous experience put me in a uh, perspective and the mindset that we need to help all of us so we can make this place better. But in addition, we have to, I have to do what I know and the knowledge I have to, to um, assist you know, the melanated people to remember who and where they came from.
2: And, and when you say asleep, like, like, are you, are you talking like because of the loss of information or are you mm-hmm. like actually talking about like spiritually, like,
1: yeah, like all the above
2: something. Okay.
1: All they were spiritually asleep, um, uh, morally asleep, you know, uh, compare, compare in comparison to who they were before. Of course. You know, completely asleep. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a hundred percent. You know, not because hundred, because now, now is the day and time we're starting to wake up. But you know, back in the um, let's go back to slavery days, quote unquote, the slavery days. A lot of these people couldn't read write. You know, stripped completely of their culture, their tongue, Native American or not, but you know, it was taken away from them. So spiritually asleep, mentally asleep, you name it. All the above.
2: And you think it was like as a result of trauma or?
1: No, no, no. It's a cycle. The cycle. That's why I explained earlier. The cycles, the cycles of time, the cycles of time, you know, it's got, just look at it like a butterfly, you know, you have a caterpillar, right? And then it gets in its cocoon and it flourishes as a butterfly down the line, Right. The one time, they we we were butterflies, you know, and then the butterfly died, turned into a caterpillar, went into its when it's to its, to its um, cocoon, dormant state, you know, to only become a butterfly again. It's the same cycle as I was just talking about earlier, and, the, and karma also karma because of um, you know. You know, karma of different things that was done by you know th- th- those people um, back in those days. So this this karma, you know, because I ain't trying to paint the picture of it. You know, all oh, it was utopia. There was some trifling stuff that was done back to by those folks too. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's a karma karmatic aspect of it as well. You know, so.
2: So where do you view, kind of like moving forward here? Um, what do you view as kind of like? the necessary path for humanity w- with that, with that understanding and that spirituality.
1: Just, just to, to tap in the source, tap in the source, get back to nature simply.
2: And, he, and how do know, folks do that?
1: First off, go inside, you know what I'm saying? Leave this, get out of the matrix, leave this, 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 this sacred reality alone, you know, turn off the boob tube, read, you know what I'm saying? Um, travel, you know, yoga, eating right, you know, all these different things. Um, it all starts inside.
2: So kind of like getting, you know, natural, if you go, if you go to my, back to your natural rhythm rather than yeah. depending on like the mechanical external rhythm of the world.
1: Exactly. Correct. Get, get, let me just simply get out of it get out, get out of the matrix. Get out of the robot, robotic controlled world with their algorithms, with all that stuff. Get out of the matrix and get back to nature. Take your shoes off. You know what I'm saying? Go hug a tree. Um, walk around barefoot. You know what I mean? Take, take a hike. You know what I mean? Meditate. You know what I'm saying? All these different things that connect you to source and nature. Get back to that. But you can still, it's like, just like in the matrix, you can still live inside the matrix. You just realize that the matrix is a matrix and your homestead is, um, you know, I is, is am. <laughs> well it's very balancing
2: that, that I mean just, just looking at like the, the past couple hundred years with like religion and and people's involvement in it in the past like what let's just say just in America you know 200 years ago religion was a much more dominant force Mm-hmm spirituality was, well, I mean, I, I don't know how you would apply spirituality to religion because some people are religious and really don't have any spirituality. Mm-hmm. But the idea of um, something greater that you cannot prove that requires faith that, you know, that was very common just, just 200 mm-hmm. years ago. And in the last mm-hmm. 200 years, we have gone to this very mechanical, very scientific, like, very, mm-hmm. like, atheist existence. Mm-hmm. And it's it's at a time where human ability is, like, astounding. Like, in the things that, you know, like, they, had a, they have holograms that can... Perform concerts, you know what I mean? Like, it, like it—it's mm-hmm. literally stuff we were watching when we were eighty in the eighties. You know, like I mean, some of that stuff exists. Like they had drones, you know, like it's crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But that spirituality has gone away with that. And why do you think that is?
1: Well, first off, there's nothing new underneath the sun. So all this technology you talk about now—that was that was already that was already that and way more advanced in the past. You're just talking about achievement of this modern-day society and time, you know, with help by, um, you know, uh, other entities to, to, to uh, speed up the evolution of humanity's uh, uh, technical evolution, okay? All this stuff that was given today, it was already here. I mean, you, you see that when you go, if you ever go anywhere, when you look at some of these pyramids, you know, I travel all over the place. I've been to Tiwatiwakan, Chichen Itza. I've seen these places and these this technology that they had. This stuff ain't, you know, it's new to us because of this time frame and the history we've been told, but it's not really new. You know what I mean? Imagine having the high level of technology in which uh, spirituality um, and that were merged together um, cohesively. That's who humanity was before, before all of this. The thing is, the people back then had their their main aspect was get back to nature and spirituality. The, the, the mindset and the people that rule the world now, you know, the, the ruling, the ruling families, we want to call them, they'll, 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 they can never have that mindset because they're just, they're just, you know, human. They're, they're, they can never, as much as they want to do, they can never evolve to the type of level those people were back then. And they know that. And that's their biggest fear of people regaining that information
2: naturally. So, when you said that there used to be technology like it is now, back then like what happened
1: it's, it's the same it's the same thing we were just talking about It's all it's all the cycles it's all the cycles and, and plus you had um you had other influences you know, when i say there's other influences like if you ever know yeah. about um the Nazis and like um, um, project um was a uh, blue book, and how they took out the Nazi scientists and Warren Van Braun. They asked him like, where did he get this information? He was like, straight up, you know, we got help from uh, uh, other entities. You know what I'm saying? So there will always been other entities around this planet for millions of years that have been, you know, in the Bible they call them angels, you know, or um, uh, or different things, gods and different gods and stuff like that. But there's always been high level uh, entities and beings on this planet that had higher level technology. It's just that, again, remember, we've been told his story, not the truth, his story. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what we, you know, so you. the more you dig deep, the more you understand it. Oh, okay, so-and-so built these, and is how they did it. Because like, I have a different perspective when I go to these places and look at these different
2: monuments, you know? So when you say other entities, are you talking about, like, spiritual beings or, like, like what we conceptualize as aliens or, like, I mean, Definitely they have different, different names for them,
1: but yeah they, yeah, they have different names. That's what I'm saying. It's like a lot of people would call an alien an angel, you know what I'm saying, or an uh, 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 alien even call him a guy. you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm talking about uh, you can use the word interchangeably between aliens and spiritual
2: beings, whatever the case may be. Definitely. I guess just based on your own cultural exactly. bias or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or or perception <laughs> or your yeah. or your openness to, you know, other things. But, you know, I go I'm gonna keep on pounding this in, you know, in people's heads is that, yo, know, y'all been lied to, boy. I mean, we all have been, but y'all to the extent of the way this world is, the history behind it, y'all been lied to. We've been lied to like you wouldn't even imagine. There's a um there's a documentary um called um Oh God, I can't remember. Let me let me look at it up real quick. I got yep. to do it because I I want to watch everybody who's watching this um, to get it, uh, watch it because it was a real good. Um, uh, I got to find it right now because I posted something. On. Hold on a second. But um, anyway, the documentary it talks about how this specific, uh, he's an old ranking like, um, his old ranking like military head, you know, high level. You know what I'm saying? He was pretty much explaining in the documentary that the people that uh, rule this world, when they teach us, they teach us everything pretty much incorrectly. So they have the upper hand on the, the privy knowledge. And that goes to everything. I'm talking about school. I'm talking about mathematics, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? so these ruling families, you know, they have all those ancient papyrus texts. They got, you know, they got all these different uh, information that these ancient people of. They have people that can de- decipher them. You know what I'm saying? And oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. It's be, uh, uh, sorry, above Majestic. If you hear this, go watch that d- b- documentary, Above Majestic. Um, but anyway, he talks about how, you know, we've just been lied to. History, religion. So on and so on, you know the people that were the, the people that rule this this spot, they've been putting a, a mass um, blanket of misinformation out since the time they've taken control. I mean that's why they say you know ignorance is bliss. You know some people don't want to face this type of stuff. Even go down that hole, you know um, that rabbit hole, but some people are content in being in the nature and some people, you know, they want to know more. And once you, you know, once you take that pill, <laughs> you start going and, you know,
2: going, once you follow that polka dot rabbit, <laughs> it, 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 it never ends. Believe me. I wanted to uh, kind of like, I mean, like where can people find you? And um, also kind of for people that are, that are trying to become better people,
1: to by the people, I think first off, people gotta uh, y'all gotta start tripping on this racism stuff and this homophobia and all that kind of crazy stuff. Y'all gotta stop tripping because um, there's a there's a lyric that I have in the song Thesis. Um, at the end, it goes something like, um, um, our, our, "Our mother is our resting place. These mental dots broken down, and we lie under her under her dress. Differences are unaddressed. You know." Saying all that is that, you know, this life is much more, and you know, a lot of these people deal with such trivial stuff. Oh, I don't like him because he's black. I don't like him because he's white. I don't like her because she's gay. I don't like him because he's Republican. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff is just distractions from getting to exactly what the question you're asking right now. We should all just be worrying about becoming better people. That's reality, you know. So start. It all starts with self, you know, and. It it's that person individuals personal journey, how they can find, you know, that make that connection to find self the source. But so they just have to first off, um, you know, become awakened and, and have an open mind enough to even, you know, step out of the step out of the matrix. You know? Mm. A lot tons of resources. We're in the information age, but it starts with them just being like, All right, I, I need to make a change. Is it you can uh, anybody can contact me on polka dot rabbit podcast.com or yourbrozo.com. You know, you can get my book there Bicultural cultural living and leaving the world of illusions that really truth be told, as you know, Gary, that kind of like <laughs> it talks about a lot of stuff we talked about today, but I've, obviously I've kind of got to go into more te- detail, about specific things,
2: but for sure, it's for a sure. good
1: outline. Yeah. It's a good outline for a lot of stuff we talked
2: about today. And you got a new book coming too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I got to say this too, man. Uh, y'all, <laughs> A lot of the stuff that y'all see me doing, especially books and, you know, different things, uh, podcasts, e- e-books, all that kind of stuff. My man, Gary Lama, is one of the main reasons why this has gone down. Because he's been, even the independent stuff, because, I mean, Gary, we've been uh, we've been doing this stuff for like three years. Now. It's probably more than that, right? Yeah. No, probably about four or five years we've been working on.
0: Yeah, yeah it's yeah, been we, a minute.
1: Yeah, it's gotten, ever since we linked up and I gave you that in, the independent old demos, we started working on that anything you see from that time frame on to pretty much my book, even now that's my, that's been me and Gary Lama, like real talk. He don't, you know, he humble dude. He don't be saying much, but he, he's like um, like, <laughs> we will be making, we be making moves behind the scenes. You know what I'm saying? People don't know, but you know, he'll tell you the truth. if You ask him, you know what I'm saying? Even with the new book, you know what I'm saying? He's going to be, you um, know, helping me put it out as well. So. hell yeah. But yeah, man. Um, Polkadot dot com, Yo, Brozo, you know, I'm all over social media. It's polka dot uh, podcast rabbit. I'm really focusing on that, um, just so I can really have an avenue to put this information out, get great guests on there to give great information and, and all that. So, you know, that's, I'm focusing on that and the book and um, possibly some new music in the near future.
2: Hell yeah! I would love to hear that. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah.
1: All right, man. Well, you know, until next time, bro. Bye. All
2: right, buddy. You take care, man. Right. Thank you so much. All right, you too.
0: Right. Peace. And that concludes my interview with Zo. You can find him at yourbrozo.com or on his Polka Dot Rabbit podcast. For more episodes from this podcast, check out VariousThingsPodcast.com or find us on most podcast streaming services under Various Things. This has been Various Things.